During the closing song at last week's 10.30 service, a woman in our congregation received a text message that said, your husband has placed an emergency call. He is currently located at this location. And then it showed a map of the church. Now, she was sitting there by herself without her husband. And so she quickly got up and went out into the lobby to speak to the police officer who was on duty. He, at the time, was on the radio to the dispatch crew. And they were telling him about this 911 call that had come in. And they were saying, it's a bit bizarre. There's no one on the other end of the line. But we can hear what sounds like banging sounds. So this woman flagged down the officer, uh, showed him her, her phone, and I think the officer was a bit relieved because this was a bizarre call, wasn't sure what was going on, thought it might be he, he could get some more information from her, and she said to the officer, I don't know what's happening, but that's my husband, he's the one playing the drums. <laughs> Turns out he'd somehow butt-dialed 911 during our final song. <laughs> Talk about finishing the service with a bang, right? <laughs> you know, isn't it amazing that in a moment, even if it's accidental, we can summon the power of the Gig Harbor Police Department? But as great as the power is of our police department, what if there was an even greater power that we could summon in our time of need? Whatever challenges or obstacles we might be facing, what if there was a power we could call upon, a power so great that it would overcome the greatest enemy? Would, would you want to know about that? Would you, would you want to call on that in your time of need? Good morning, Chapel Hill. My name's Ellis. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm pleased that you're joining us with you here in person or you're joining us online. We're continuing our series through Luke's Gospel. It's one of the four accounts we have of Jesus' life. And in today's section of Luke, I believe we're going to discover that there is such a power, a power that's greater than any other upon which we can call. So we're in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to begin today in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, that he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, do you remember those early days of the pandemic when you would do your grocery shopping and it was like heading into a war zone? Any, anyone remember that? Like you turn to the other people in your household and you'd go, all right, who's going to the front line this week? You put on your protect your battle gear, right? You know, your mask. And for some of you, I know, because I saw you, you put on those lovely gloves just to make sure. And you go to the grocery store, you'd be going down the aisle behind your shopping cart, and all of a sudden someone would come around the corner at the other end of the aisle and you'd freeze. You wouldn't know what to do. It's like the enemy had just appeared and you were you were in the open. So you turn quickly and you go the other way and you go down the next aisle and think, I'll come back, I'll come back and get what I need in this aisle. And you get home and you'd have the bags of groceries lined up on the counter and you take each thing out one at a time and you'd wipe it down with disinfectant wipes just to make sure the COVID didn't get home on the things that you brought back. It was crazy, wasn't it? Absolutely crazy. 
Leprosy in the first century was a term used to describe various skin diseases, and it resulted in people acting like we did in the early days of the pandemic. If you were a leper, you didn't have to stay just six feet away from everyone else. You had to stay 50 feet away from everyone else. You contaminated any house you entered. Even the trees that you stood underneath became contaminated by your presence. You were an outcast from society. You had to wear torn clothing and have long hair and walk around crying, unclean, unclean. It was like you were constantly living in those early days of the pandemic. So when this leper came to Jesus and fell on his face before him, this leper was breaking every rule and social convention in the book. In the minds of the religious leaders, what Jesus should have done is back away as soon as he realized that this man was a leper. But not only did Jesus not back away, Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, this would be a bit like this. During the lockdown, imagine you came across someone who you knew had COVID, for certain, and you went up to them without putting any protective gear on, you got right in their face, you had them breathe on you, and then you inhaled deeply. That's effectively what Jesus does here. And what happens next is even more unbelievable. Instead of Jesus becoming contaminated by the leprosy, the very opposite happens. Jesus' cleanliness makes the leper clean. This is unreal. It'd be like having that lockdown interaction where you deeply inhale and then you exhale out and the other person gets set free of COVID. It's ridiculous. This shouldn't happen. It's impossible. And yet, with Jesus, this is what happens. And the gospel writer Luke is trying to make a very important point. Jesus has ultimate power over every sickness and every disease. Jesus doesn't get sick just because he comes into contact with a sick person. In fact, the very opposite happens. Jesus' health rubs off on them and they get healed. And the story of the rest of the Bible, the story of church history, is that Jesus' power and authority to heal has continued. That Jesus gave that power and authority to his followers. And that through them, he has continued to bring about works of healing, even until this day. As a church, we believe that Jesus Christ still has power and authority to heal today. And yet I know, as I make that statement, there are people for whom the thought of that causes pain because you're asking the question, why didn't Jesus heal in this instance in my life or the life of my family member? A few weeks ago, we had a man came to our elders to ask for prayer for a particular disease with which he's afflicted. He shared with us that several years ago, he'd been diagnosed with this disease and he'd, he'd gone and sought prayer from the elders of his church at that time and they prayed for healing and miraculously the effects of the disease had ceased. However, in the last few months, those effects had come back. And he was coming to us and he was asking, would you pray for me that I would be healed? Jesus does heal today. Jesus still has that power and that authority. But sometimes we don't see the healing that we ask for. Or we receive a gift of healing and then time passes and the disease comes back. 
So this belief that, that Jesus still heals today, I recognize it can be painful for some of us because we've prayed, we've fasted, we've got everyone around us, we've sent out messages and had people praying and praying and praying and we've asked God, would you heal? Would you do this? And then he hasn't. And that's painful. It leaves us asking why. Why, God? Why didn't you heal my child of cancer? Why didn't you heal me from this pain of trauma? Why didn't you heal my marriage? And although I don't have the answer to your specific question, I think it's worth us remembering that there is a, a much bigger picture that's going on. Let's, let's zoom out for a little and, and think about this in the perspective of eternity. You know, we live in this world that is broken and marred by sin. And as a result of that sin, sickness and disease run rampant. And into the midst of this world, this broken world, God came in the person of Jesus. Jesus came preaching and demonstrating that God's kingdom was breaking into this world, that God's rule and God's reign was coming into this world, and the power of God's rule and God's reign could break the power of the rule and the reign of sin and death and the enemy. And Jesus healed. He cast out demons. He restored relationships. But he was only present for a specific time to a specific group of people. He didn't, he didn't heal everyone in the world, but he did heal. And then he ascended back into heaven. But here's what he promised. He promised that one day he would come again to renew the whole earth. Not just a part of it at a particular time, but the whole thing. To remove all pain and all sickness and all death. He promised that one day we would all experience the fullness of healing. As we are given new bodies, resurrection bodies like his. But today, we are still in between that initial inbreaking of God's kingdom and the final coming of it in its fullness. And it's a bit like the time between the decisive battle in a war and the signing of the peace treaty, right? The decisive battle determines which way the war is going to go. After that battle, we know who's won. But the enemy hasn't stopped fighting just yet. They're keeping on going. They're keeping the war alive. It's been decided but they haven't yet signed the peace treaty. They haven't yet surrendered. That's where we are, church. In between this initial inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth, breaking the power of sin and death and sickness and disease, and the final coming of it in its fullness. And there, as a result, are still pockets of darkness in this world where the enemy is still fighting, trying to hold on to the ground that he has, but Jesus has won the decisive victory. And one day he will return and renew all things and claim that victory for himself. But for now, we just get to see glimpses. And my oh my, those glimpses are glorious. When Jesus does heal today, when the kingdom of God breaks in into our lives in, in a powerful and effective way, that is worthy of shouting from the rooftops, glorifying God. But I know that some of us are still waiting for that to happen. We're waiting for our prayers to be answered. And it can be easy to give up, right? It can be easy to maybe believe that, oh, I guess Jesus just isn't going to heal in this instant. And this morning, I, I want to talk about 
two tactics that I think the evil one, our spiritual enemy, uses to try and get us to give up, to get us to to lose faith in Jesus' power to heal. Two tools that that he uses to to try and stop us from seeking Jesus' healing. And they're both in in the passage that we're going to be looking at today. The first tool that I think the enemy uses is shame. Shame. This leper whom Jesus healed, he'd been exiled from society. He was an outcast. And I'm no doubt that that came with a huge amount of shame. Like, can you imagine what sort of courage it took for him to come from his settlement outside the city, to come right into the heart of the city, past all the crowds who were recoiling at him as they saw him, and they knew what he was afflicted with. And then he comes before Jesus and he falls at his feet. Can you imagine the shame that he felt He was not only living with sickness, but he was also living with shame. Very often, for us too, our sickness is something that brings us great shame. Something we don't want other people to know about. Something we'd rather keep hidden. Maybe because of the reasons it came about. Maybe we're afraid of the cost of revealing it. Maybe the potential medical treatment scares us. There's all sorts of reasons that the enemy uses, but often... One way or another, the enemy uses shame to keep our sickness hidden and prevent us from going and seeking the healing power of Jesus. Seven years ago this November, I was driving my father back to SeaTac for him to catch a flight back to the UK. And just as we were going from 16 to 5, we hit standstill traffic right on that on-ramp there and we were stuck and in fact we knew something serious had happened because we could see the smoke rising from just around the corner there's a there's a photo of it we knew there was no way off we're stuck on this on-ramp we didn't know if my dad was going to make his flight and we were waiting 15 20 30 minutes went by and then my dad shared something with me he told me that he had begun experiencing chest pains on his morning walks into work and so I asked him about it, asked him had he been to see anyone, and he said no, and he gave me a list of excuses as to why not. Well, my dad did make that flight, and over the coming months, I I reached out to him about once a month to ask whether the chest pains were continuing and whether he'd been to see someone, and his answer was, yeah, I'm still having the pains, but no, I haven't been to see anyone. And then in late February, I got the call. He'd had a cardiac arrest, and he'd died. And the aftermath, it transpired that that my dad had only shared with me about his chest pains. And as I reflected on that, I began to realize that what he was carrying was shame. He was ashamed of what he was experiencing. He was ashamed of these chest pains, and he did not feel able to share that for a whole variety of reasons, but he didn't feel able to share that with anyone. And as a result... He was kept from even seeking the power of Jesus to heal. You know, when that leper came to Jesus, he fought against the shame that he felt. And he stepped out to ask for help. And in that moment, as Jesus healed him of his leprosy, he also healed him of his shame. No longer did the leper have to walk around ashamed of his sickness. He was free of that shame as well as of his skin disease. And so what about you? Is the evil one trying to use shame 
the shame of your sickness to prevent you from seeking the healing of Jesus. If he is, can I invite you to be bold and like that leper, bring it out into the open, share with someone, stop hiding and seek healing. Don't let the evil one keep you in bondage. So that's the first tactic I see the enemy using in this passage. He tries to use shame to stop us from seeking healing. But there's another tactic that we see, and it requires us to read on a little bit. But the second tactic is sin. Sin is the second tactic we see. Following the story of the leper, we've got another account of Jesus healing someone. So let's carry on reading. We'll pick it up. Verse 17. On one of those days, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. He'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst or before Jesus. Now, so you've got these men who are seeking to bring their friend to Jesus, but Jesus is in this crowded house, and they, they, they can't get the friend in on his bed. So they hatch a plan. We'll use the exterior staircase, get up on the flat roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lower this paralyzed man in. And then listen to what happens next. Verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, you can almost imagine the paralyzed man saying something like this. Wait a minute, Jesus. (laughs) That's great and all, but that's not why I'm here. I don't know if you've noticed, but my legs don't work. I'm lying on... I had to to be lowered in here because I couldn't walk. I, I don't... I don't need my sin. That's great. Sure, great. Sin's forgiven. But what I need is healing for my legs. I need to walk. That's why I'm here. I'm not here to deal with that sin stuff. I'm here to be healed. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? Clearly, this man's issue was his paralysis. And yet, Jesus says to a man, your sins are forgiven you. Why is that? I think it's because Jesus knew that for this man, his sin was a bigger issue than his sickness. And I think that the weapon that the enemy was using to keep this man in bondage was his his sin. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, sin can underlie sickness. And until that sin is dealt with, the sickness remains. I think we see this elsewhere in the New Testament. In the book of James, we read this, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Four years ago, I had this awful sore throat that wouldn't go away. I was singing four to five times a week back then, and it was just a real pain dealing with this constant sore throat. It stuck around for months. I tried everything. I tried cough drops. I tried throat coat tea. I was like squeezing honey into there to try and get some relief. It tastes great, but Kind of disgusting after a while. I even took a two-week vocal rest, but nothing worked. I had people lay hands on me, put their hands on my throat, and pray for God to heal me. Nothing. Nothing would take this away. I was in pain constantly. I'd go to bed in pain. I'd wake up in pain. Every time I spoke, every time I sung, it was pain. Now, around the same time, although I wasn't completely aware of it, 
my life was out of balance. I was consumed by work at this point in time. And so after three months of this sore throat, I finally took the hint, finally saw what I, I think God might have been trying to say to me through this, which was, Ellis, your life's out of balance, and you need to change. All right? In that moment, I had to own and recognize that I was in an unhealthy way devoting myself to work. I needed to repent of that. I, I viewed that as sin. I was prioritizing my work above things that should have been higher priorities. And in repenting, I received the forgiveness of Jesus. I received the forgiveness of my family, and I asked for the Lord's guidance and, and the guidance of others. I said, I need to change. I can't, do, I can't live like this. And so I completely reoriented my life. I put measures in place to try and prevent me from ever getting into that situation again. And at the same time as I was doing all this, as I'm repenting and receiving forgiveness, changing things in my life, God began to actually reveal what was causing the sore throat. It wasn't a respiratory thing. It wasn't even the fact that I kept singing, but it was silent acid reflux that was brought on by the stress that I was putting my body under. And so after seeing a doctor, after making some lifestyle changes, getting some medication, it went away. However, the six dental fillings I needed from all the cough drops were a bit of a painful reminder that I'd fallen short there. Sometimes, but not always, sometimes sin can underlie sickness. And until that sin is dealt with, the sickness remains. But here's the good news. Jesus has authority to forgive sin. Let's keep reading. We're at verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Right here, Jesus proves that he has the power and the authority to forgive sins. Now, maybe this is a little bit confusing, so let me try and explain it to you. It would be really easy for Jesus to just say, your sins are forgiven, and claim that he can do that. Because sin's invisible, right? We can't see if sins are forgiven. And so Jesus says, it would be much harder for me to say to this man, pick up your bed and walk. Because we could all see whether he could actually do it. You could see whether my words have power and effect. And so he says, I'm going to do just that. He turns to the man, he says, rise, pick up your bed and walk. And this man does it. And in effect, what Jesus is saying is, if I have the power by my words to do that, heal a man of, of, of paralysis, then I have the power by my words to forgive sin. And Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. If he has the power to make the lame walk, he has the power to forgive your sin. Whatever you might have done, whatever you might be in the midst of right now, whatever the enemy is trying to convince you is unforgivable, is just too great, if they only knew, I'd never be forgiven. That's a lie. 
Jesus took the consequences of your sin upon the cross. You have forgiveness in him. And as in the case of this man, there may be some people here for whom their sin is keeping them sick, and the enemy is playing on that issue of forgiveness for you. And you're, you're stuck in this sin because you just, you just don't believe that you could really be forgiven of it. Maybe it's a pattern of behavior or a source of comfort. Something the enemy is using to keep you from seeking and receiving the healing that Jesus so desperately wants you to have. And today, maybe you need to come clean. Confess your sin. Receive the forgiveness of Jesus and then seek healing. Jesus has power and authority to heal. That's what this passage tells us. His rule and his reign has broken into this broken world and he's begun to make things new. One day he will return and he will make all things new. And between now and then, we have the opportunity to get a foretaste of that healing. But for some of us, we've stopped seeking it. And there are two weapons that we see in this passage that the enemy tries to use to, to stop us from seeking the healing power of Jesus. Shame and sin. Shame like the leper and sin like the paralytic. And I wonder today if you might find yourself recognizing the work of the evil one He's here. If you might find yourself recognizing the work of the evil one in your life in either of those two areas. Maybe there's something you've been praying for yourself, but you're just too ashamed to share it with others. Maybe you've been seeking healing for something, but you haven't shared it with anyone because you're just ashamed of it. Maybe like my dad. Or maybe you recognize that you're, you're caught by your sin, and that that is preventing you from finding the healing that you know is on offer in Jesus. Maybe you need to confess and repent. If either of those are true, maybe today's the day when you get set free, set free from that shame or that sin. So we're going to close our service with a time of healing prayer. And I want to encourage all of us, whether you connect with this shame thing, this sin thing, I want to encourage all of us to enter into this time in faith, believing and trusting that Jesus has the power and authority to heal today. And there may be something in your life that you need healing from. And and maybe in the next few minutes, the Lord's going to call that to mind. I'd invite you to invite God to heal you, even if it's got nothing to do with shame or, or with sin. But particularly, if you are connecting with either of those two issues, the shame or the sin, I think God wants to set some people free today. He speaks through his word. This is, this is what the message I think he has for certain people in this congregation. And if you have the faith, if you have the courage to step out and invite God into the midst of that, he can work wonders. He can do amazing things. And so here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to invite us all to stand, and we're just going to take some time in stillness to invite God to be present with us and seek him, seek his power in our midst. We'll wait for a little while, nothing crazy, just in silence. I'll lead us through that time. And then I'm going to invite prayer team members later on to come forward. And if you want to be, have hands laid on you, you can come forward and receive prayer. So that's how this is going to go. We'll close with a song. Nothing dramatic, nothing crazy.
But if you have faith today that Jesus has the power and authority to heal, then I invite you to reach out and ask him to be at work in your life. So let's, let's all stand if you're able as we enter into this time. Let's take a, a posture of prayer. It helps me when I pray to close my eyes so that I can focus and not be distracted. So maybe you want to close your eyes. And let's come before the Lord right now. And if you are uh, open to the power of Jesus in your life, then I want to invite you to stretch out your hands in front of you like you're ready to receive a gift. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was present in bodily form. Today, he's present by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to invite his Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. And we're just going to pray a simple prayer, three words, come Holy Spirit. It's a prayer the church has prayed for centuries. And if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to invite God's power to come in your life, then I invite you to join with me in praying this prayer. So we're going to pray that prayer and then just wait. We're going to wait in silence and we'll see what the Lord wants to do. So let's pray now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And let's just wait. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. Jesus, have your way. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe that the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to you in some way, maybe revealing something that uh, connected with the message today. Just begin to kind of pray into that yourself, if he is. Maybe that you're just experiencing kind of the overwhelming sense of God's love for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit administers God's love to us. Just ask for more of that. Ask for more of the love of God, more of the presence of God's Spirit with you. He loves you. Come, Holy Spirit. It may be that you are experiencing some sort of physical presence of the Holy Spirit. If you are, don't be alarmed. It's normal. Jesus had the power to physically heal. He has the power to be physically present in your body. Gently invite the Lord to continue his work, whatever he's doing. Come, Holy Spirit.
Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org. Choose to